one of the most unequal regions in the world, populists found their first constituency in a working class that doubled in size between 1914 and 1945, as the region industrialized, and that traditional society had failed to integrate. Later, in countries such as Argentina, Ecuador, and Venezuela, populists took advantage of the economic hardship of the lost decade of the 1980s, when growth stagnated and incomes plummeted, and the subsequent adoption of economic austerity, trade liberalization, and privatization. Policies recommended by the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, and the U.S. Treasury. In 2007 in Argentina, some six decades after Perón's triumphant restoration, President Cristina Fernández de Kirchner came out on the balcony of the Casa Rosada to sing the same refrain. She, too, would represent the people against those who had shut them out. Despite casting themselves as tribunes of the people, populist leaders are just as likely to come from the elite as they are to emerge from the lower classes. And although they seek legitimacy through the support of the masses, populists favor top-down control. They build mass movements to increase their personal power, not to truly change the system. Populists must hold together heterogeneous political coalitions, and to this end they often employ redistributionist economic policies. These are often expansive. Populists create new social programs, ramp up spending, and take control of parts of the economy. The resulting short-term economic booms make life better for their followers, but as a result of the government largesse, debts build, inflation spirals, businesses scale back operations, and economic crises ensue. Those who benefited from the boom see their fortunes come crashing down again. In Latin America, this basic narrative has played out in Perón's and Kirchner's Argentina, in Vargas's Brazil, and in President Hugo Chavez's Venezuela. But populism can also flourish with limited social spending. In the 1990s in Peru, for example, President Alberto Fujimori managed to cultivate a following, grab power, and reshape the country's democratic institutions, most dramatically through a self-coup that dissolved Congress, all while implementing pro-market neoliberal reforms. His counterpart in Argentina, President Carlos Menem, did the same, opening up the country's economy while packing the Supreme Court with jurists loyal to him and changing the Constitution to allow for his re-election to a second term. Both leaders used targeted financial benefits to glue together their fractious support bases, but they were otherwise fiscally cautious. Perhaps the most consequential feature that all versions of populism share is the weakening of liberal democratic institutions. Populist leaders concentrate power in their immediate circle. They gesture toward enhancing political participation and claim to expand the civic sphere, but in fact they bypass and thereby weaken crucial institutions, such as political parties, independent judiciaries, and the free press. Populist leaders favor administrative decrees and marginalize legislatures.
They undermine checks and balances on executive authority by casting themselves as the sole arbiters of right and wrong, and by encouraging their followers to distrust and oppose anything connected to the old establishment. This kind of demagoguery can devolve into overt efforts to silence critics, sometimes even through violence. Things fall apart. Beginning in the late 1990s, Latin America was overrun by a fresh wave of leaders claiming mandates from the people. Chief among them was Chavez, who first came to prominence in Venezuela as the leader of a failed military coup in 1992, and later reinvented himself as a populist champion of the downtrodden. In 1998, Chavez won the presidency with the overwhelming support of poor Venezuelans who remained a majority of the population despite the country's oil wealth. Railing against the political oligarchy, Chavez promised to abolish poverty and create a more...